just a couple of things. Before we get into what we're doing this morning, I just wanted to talk about briefly Isaiah 43 and 19, 18 and 19. It says this, if I can get there. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Now that where he said, don't dwell on the past, it's actually... The, the prophet is saying, don't dwell on the past. And it wasn't a bunch of bad things. It was actually some good things. We have the natural tendency to dwell on the bad things. But the Bible doesn't want us to even dwell on where we were. The good, the bad, or the ugly. It doesn't want us to dwell in, live in our past. It actually then goes on to say, see, I am doing a new thing. Somebody say new thing. It's a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And I want to talk briefly about that. Do you not perceive it? Something new could be happening right around you in the middle of your world, and this scripture indicates that you can miss it. And what I'm trying to say is that in 2018, it's nothing different in God's calendar, but it's something in our calendar where we look back on what was and we look forward to what is. But the Bible talks about right there, not just in the year of our life, but in every day of our life, that we don't dwell on the past. We're thankful for it, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're thankful that God was in it with us. But see, he's doing a new thing right now. He has something new and fresh for you in 2018. And so our perspective is what God has for me is for my good, that God has already prepared something for me in advance, that there's something fresh and new, and I could miss it if I'm distracted by what was. I could miss it if I'm looking back wishing I could redo. I, there's all kinds of things. You could miss it by being distracted by not paying attention. If I've ever been there, I was, as my wife, she said something and I missed it. It was a new thing, but I wasn't paying attention. So can I challenge you this today, not only today, but as you look at this next year, to look forward with anticipation. That it's not just a redo of 2017. It's not just a, a rehash of what was. I don't care if you're 86 or you're 16. That God has something new and fresh for you. It's springing up. And the beautiful imagery of it springing up. It's not you working it up. It's not you trying harder. It's not you working harder. It's not you getting all your life figured out. It's saying, God, I want to be aware of what you're doing in my life. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to move past it. I want to turn aside to it and say, God, do something new and fresh in my life. Do something new and fresh in my city. Do something new and fresh in my family. Do something new and fresh in my heart. Do something new and fresh and spring it up and cause it to overflow in my life. And I'm not preaching yet. That's just your little warm-up introduction. Is anybody going to look forward with, to something new and fresh in 2018? Wherever you're at, you might need a perspective shift. Today's your day. And no matter if Daniel said this is the second Sunday of January, it's not. It's the first Sunday. He's already way ahead of me. The first Sunday where we begin and we, we plant our flag and say, God, do something new and fresh. That I don't live in what was. That I'm not defined by my past. That I'm not anxious about my future. That I'm living in my present because there's a God who's for me. He's with me. He's not abandoning me. He's helping me. He's bringing refreshment and resourcing in my life. And we always start our year with, usually with seven days of prayer and fasting. We're going to do something a little different this year. Is just 21 days of prayer. 
If you want to fast, you're welcome to fast. Some of us will be. But we're really, I really want us to focus on 21 days of prayer. And if you're on our email list, you will have already got a little booklet called Pray First. It's simply some tools to help you to pray first this year. Not, not last. You know, you hear this phrase, oh, I, uh, there's nothing left to do but pray. Oh, I guess we're down to that. No, we pray first. When we're going through a difficulty, we pray. When we're going into a, a new situation, we pray. When we're entering into a new relationship, we pray. When we're wondering how we're going to pay for a wedding, we pray. <laughs> I don't know why that came out, but of the overflow of the heart. So it was emailed to you if you're on our e-bulletin list. If you weren't or you didn't get it or it's in your junk box, there's about 50 of these available at the back as well if you want to grab those for those of you that don't like the digital way. And then as well, uh, you're going to watch on our social media. There's going to be a Bible reading plan for those of you that want to join it. It's an electronic one. Trying something a little different this year as well. But the prayer part, we really want to focus on this. This will be a supportive thing for it. So watch our social media. Watch our e-bulletin. And if you're not on that, let the people at the back know. And we'll help you get on that as well. It's only 352 days to Christmas. We want to start well. <laughs> hey? Wow. 2018. How many of you have already written 2017 on something? I, was, I write my date on my message, and I wrote this morning 2017, but it's not a redo. It's Here we are, refresh, renew. We're in a new series called Shalom, and a journey to wholeness, and we're going to talk a little bit about what that means but as we get on. But you come out of the peace and the magic of Christmas. And all that it is. For some of us, we know that it's overwhelming. For some of it might have been a difficult season. I don't know. But whether we're at, we, run, we come out of Christmas and just within a week, we run smack dab into the new year. We run smack dab into, it's a new calendar, it's an, maybe a new school year if you're in university, maybe it's back to the grind if you're at work, maybe you had some time off, I don't know. But here we are in a new year and we tend to make all kinds of resolutions. We tend to make all kinds of say, I'm going to do something different. My life. I wasn't happy with that, and I'm going to change this. And So we do that. I'm going to lose that weight. I'm going to stop saying that word. I'm going to be kind to my cat. I'm, not, I'm going to get rid of my cat. might be a better one. But So do, do, the, do the resolutions, and that's great. Go for them. There's no problem in that. In fact, probably does help you to refocus a little bit. But the fact of the matter is that 80% of resolutions – by February, have already been broken and lost. Woo! And of the remaining, only 8% are going to do their resolutions. So you might say, well, why would I do a resolution? I'm not sure, but I have some thoughts on why they work and why they don't. We're going to talk about that. But So we soon find ourselves back in another year. Despite our resolutions, we'll soon find ourselves, if we're not careful, just back into the rut of what was. Living through life as a repeat of what was. Despite God saying and Jesus desiring for you newness and freshness, if nothing changes, guess what? Nothing will change. That wasn't a trick question. He's doing something new and fresh, but if we're not careful, in fact, the track records of our life usually shows that we just do the year again. We might add in a different vacation. We might delete some friends. We might have a few new experiences, but essentially it all looks kind of the same. It's not terrible necessarily. 
But sometimes we're just back in the rat race, same stress, maybe some new stress. And the adjustments that we hope to make to bring a little more order, maybe a little more peace to our life, end up not being there. And we find ourselves back in that daily grind. Who wouldn't want a little peace, though? Just a little more time off from the grind. Just maybe um, not so many arguments with your spouse. Just getting along with your boss or maybe your employees. Or wouldn't it be nice? Peace and tranquility. Life is a vacation. But it isn't usually like that way, is it? Life seems to be what life is. One crisis to the next. Just when we think we got our finances in order, then something happens in, our, in the health of someone close to us. Or maybe your health is really good and, and there's someone around you that's doing fine, but then you find that you, you're, you're discovering that your finances are out of order. Or maybe you work your life to get ahead and you're slogging away. And just when you get there, the person who you've been working with says, I'm out. I want nothing to do with you. I want a divorce. You get a promotion, but then everything goes bad and the company goes under. And Your family is finally great, but the neighbor next door is banging on the wall. And he's creating a bother for you. And like, there's always something going on. And Canada is actually one stressed out nation. In fact, we're one of the, we're one of the most stressed out nations in the world. Statistics tell us that the only people who are more stressed out in this than us are Australians. I'm not sure why they're stressed out. Every picture I see, the weather's always good, and everybody's putting something on the Barbie. I don't know. <laughs> the other one I kind of get, it's South Korea. Living next to that guy, a little north of them, I can get that. But here we are in Canada. We're stressed out. In fact, almost three-quarters of us say our life has ongoing stress. Now, not all stress is bad. Some stress is actually normal part of life. It's how you grow. It's how you build resilience in your life. It's how you build strength. That's how you build muscles at the gym. All those kind of things. But the kind of stress that's bad is the stress that's not an event. It's unrelenting in its torment. It doesn't stop. There's, it's a financial pressure. It could be a relational thing. It could be who knows what's going on. But it's continual. It's heavy. And it's often overwhelming. And that one's interesting because... Stats Canada showed that approximately a quarter of us at any given time are in the stress level that's dangerous, the stress level that's overwhelming, the stress level that's difficult. You may not be in it now. You may never experience that. But if you've lived long enough, there have been moments and, and seasons where you thought it would overwhelm you, and maybe you're in the middle of it now, or maybe you're just in the other 50% that have the stresses of life. The highest stress group are in the age 35 to 54 range. Second to that is those that are in the 15 to 30 range. The lowest stressed are the builders, those 65-plus people. You're just chilling. I don't know why. Everything's good for everybody. You actually, probably you just have some perspective. Probably have some perspective that younger people don't have, but... It, People are stressed out in our culture. And if you ask people how they're doing, most often the answer will be, I'm busy, I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed. Not always easy, not everybody. But what are we stressed about? Because we want peace, peace. We just want some peace. We want it, but it seems so hard to get. If you're a, a boomer, you might remember that the Beatles got that flavor when they said, give you everything I've got for a little peace of mind. Or if you're a little 
more recent, like the artist Party Next Door, many are looking for peace of mind through a relationship. What are we stressed about? We're stressed about all kinds of things. More than three-quarters of us at various times are really stressed about finances. More than half of us are stressed at various times about our relationships. We're stressed about our responsibilities. We're stressed about health problems that not are, are not even ours, but are somebody else, maybe our child or our, our parent. We're stressed over our personal issues on the inside. We're stressed over so many things, our housing. Where am I going to live? How am I going to live there? How am I going to afford it to live there? And it takes a toll on us emotionally and physically. A doctor who is the director of a stress management program in California said this is, stress doesn't only make us feel awful emotionally, and that's bad enough. It can also exacerbate nearly every health condition you can think of. It's been related to worsen or increase the risk of obesity, heart disease, Alzheimer's, diabetes, gastrointestinal problems, and asthma. So far, so feel, so good. Depression and anxiety are flowing out of stress very often where we find that people who had stress related to their jobs, like demanding work with very few rewards, if you're, in particular, if you're in a people-helping profession, you're vulnerable to this. At an 80% higher risk of developing depression within a few years compared to people in their general population. It also, unrelenting stress, causes premature or accelerated aging. If you don't believe that, look at the picture of every president when he comes in. He's looking all fine when he starts, and then eight years later, he's got like wrinkles, his hair's gone white, it's fallen out, a little bit of stress. But studies have actually shown that mothers who have a chronically ill or sick child actually age at a chromosomal level. They have shown the difference between someone who had just a regular fairly unstressful life versus someone who's been under unrelenting stress at the chromosomal level, aging between 9 and 17 years more than their biological age. Stress is hurting us emotionally and physically. And it comes out in all kinds of ways. We rarely really deal with it until we get one of these things. I'm depressed. I've got obesity. I've got anxiety. I've got frustration, whatever. More often, we notice the unhealthy reactions of irritability and anger. I know when I need something fixed in my life. When I start punching the steering wheel, Yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about because you've done it before. When I'm just like, why do these people get out on the road? I Just like, why? Who gave you a license? <laughs> you all laughing? How many of you say amen to that? Amen. I think it's some of you, so don't say amen so loud. <laughs> or fatigue where you just can't seem to shake it. Shows up in lack of interest, motivation, Lack of energy or procrastination. I will do it someday. I read this this morning where someone said the highlight of their day was when they came to the dryer and the clothes weren't quite, quite dry and the dryer was also helping them to procrastinate on folding those clothes. That was the highlight of their day. We see it in overeating and weight gains. We see stress causes us to worry. And when we worry, a whole boatload of chemicals that are harmful to us are unleashed into our body. And it blocks the release of positive hormones and chemicals in our bodies that help us to do well. And so many of us turn to food as a way to cope with stress. 
Others turn to the use of drugs. Some turn to alcohol. Some people light up a cigarette. Some burn the midnight oil, surfing the internet endlessly, scrolling past things again and again, hoping there's something new and fresh on their feed. And they wake up the next day more tired than when they went to bed. And we know we need to change, and we want to change. In fact, statistics show that the majority of every generation, whatever generation, whether you're a boomer or a, a Generation X or a millennial or you don't know what you are, just relax that the majority of us know that we need to change, 60%, 70%. But only a very minority of us know what to do or are doing something to deal with the stress in our life. Stressed out, overwhelmed, constantly under it, pushing pressure in every way. We want some peace and happiness. We want our life to be better. We won't, no, no, I don't, nobody wants to continually be dealing with staring at the ceiling, frustrated and worrying, trying to, to, to get to sleep or anxious about when someone's going to be coming over and you're, I, I, or I don't even want to go out of my house. I'm so depressed that all I can think about is how things were or what screw-up I did or what thing that I happened to me. See, depression is when we live in the past and we, we don't come out of our past, and anxiety is when we live in the future and where we wish we were or we're afraid of what will be. But Jesus said something. What if it were possible to get a new way, a new path to peace. What if you and I could actually make some changes that are not gone in 30 days from now, that are not short-term fixes that last? What if what did Jesus say? He said this. He said, see, I'm, I'm leaving you with a gift. He's on his way to leave, leave. And he said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace. Everybody say peace. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And here we see this word peace. Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift. It's peace of mind and heart. Super important, though, to understand about this word we don't fully understand this word. I'm going to talk about this for a moment. But the Bible was written in two parts. The Old Testament, written in Hebrew, and the New Testament, primarily written in Greek. And two mindsets. The Hebrews wrote it into the Greek, and there's two mindsets and way of looking at it. And it's important, if you want to understand what a word is, to know the language and the culture, the way that they will look at it to fully understand it. For example... It's like the phrase, five more minutes. When you ask your spouse how long she's going to be, she says, five more minutes. That is a totally different meaning than what I think it is. Or when you're shopping with someone looking for new shoes. Could happen. You know when they say five more minutes, I, you make the mistake of thinking it's actually that, but it means something different in her culture, my wife's. It means something like this. Five more minutes means this. Until I see what I came for or I prove that it no longer exists in the world. That's what it means. Five more minutes. But someone said, hey, don't be so hard on the ladies. The five more minutes that they use when they're getting ready is the same five more minutes you use, guys, when you're watching the game. 
So it's important to understand what the word means. What's Jesus saying when he says, I want to give you peace? Well, first, the Greek idea of peace, this is going to be some nerding out for a moment, but just hang in there, is based on the thought that war and struggle is the normal part of life. For the Greeks, peace then is the absence or stepping out of conflict or struggle. This Greek idea leads to the pursuit of a balanced life. How many of us have heard that before? You're trying. It's a temporary reprieve between battles where all the conflicting elements are brought under control. My stress, my difficulties are going up here, so I need to balance them over here with something else to balance them out. It's all about balanced life where all everything's brought under control. You see peace as simply a pause in the midst of the battle. It's a vacation. Even the word vacation means to vacate. It means to step out of my life Step out of the fray, and I'm going to vacate it. A better word is holy, hol, holiday, because that's a holy day. I'm stepping into holy day, not a vacation where I vacate my life. It's an escape in the Greek mentality. Peace is a moment of, just a moment of no hostility. You view life's objective as to have no struggles. It's situational based on what's going on in your life. So you're either balancing the struggles and getting through until you can get a break, living for the weekend, living for the two weeks off, living for whatever, and you survive, survive, survive. Balance the struggle. That's what it is, survive. And if it gets too much, you escape the struggle. You get out of a marriage. You get out of a relationship. You get out of a job. You get out of, you just get out because it's too much. I can't handle it. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Because you view peace as situational and you become victim to your circumstances. Because you look at it and say, okay, there's no peace going on here. That must mean I've either got to endure it or I get out. And that's what we see happening in our culture again and again and again. Either escape into something or I escape out of the situation. And it's this understanding of peace that's so externally based. So surviving or escaping makes total sense. Because it's all, if my world is out of control and it's too much, I'm out. And it makes total sense. But if you think differently, you can maybe have a different result. The Hebrew idea of peace is really, really different. And it's this word shalom. Peace that's about harmony. It's about completeness. It's about wholeness. It's not about balancing or escaping. It's about harmony. It's far more than the absence of conflict. It means complete reconciliation, a state of the fullest flourishing in every dimension of your life. It's not an escape of something. It's not the absence of something. In fact, it's the blessing of something. So it's maybe a, a reprieve, or it's a, but it's actually walking through everything that I'm going on, and there's an overflow that comes onto my life so that no matter what I'm going through, my peace is not determined by my situation. It's that there's something different going on here. There's a, a state of the fullest flourishing in every dimension of my life. I am not a victim to my situation. It's more than that. Shalom is a word packed with hope. It's packed with hope for a broken, bruised, and, and frustrated world. Maybe your world. Because shalom is a process. It's not a moment. It's a process. It's a process of healing wounds. It's the process of healing the wound first between God and us through salvation in Jesus Christ. And then between each other and then to the world. 
Because in the Hebrew world, God is in a cosmic battle with evil. His kingdom is advancing. And so then shalom is advancing. And we join with God in the battle of advancing his kingdom. So we come alongside him, who, he who is shalom, and we begin to move into our world, advancing things. It's not always easy every day. It doesn't mean it's always just fun and games. But we come into, because we walk with him who is shalom, who is peace, who is wholeness. And whatever we're walking into, we're helping to push back discomfort. We're helping to push back disorder. We're helping to push back darkness. And we carry something with us that's not dependent on what I go through because he is shalom. See, the Hebrew peace is fighting alongside God. It's certainty in times of external pressure. It's an internal peace that's not determined by my external situation. But this is not about peace, shalom. It's not about well-being in terms of balance. It's not simply getting all your life in order and everything under tight control. Some of you have to have everything under control and everything ordered, your calendar in perfect array. Everybody's figured out where they're going. And if one thing goes awry, you are hooped. And the stress level goes right up. So many of us are over that and in that place. It doesn't mean that it's just busy 35-year-olds. It's every generation is experiencing and walking through stress that is affecting us, spirit, soul, and body. But shalom is not balance. It's harmony. Because life in this world cannot be balanced. Your life will never be balanced and free of conflict and stress. Something will always be a little off-center. That's what it means to be in a fallen world. But things just never get completely under control. They're essentially broken. But that doesn't change the meaning of peace. Jesus said this, I have told you all these things so that in me, say in me, someone again, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Some like to just focus on that one. In this world, we all have trouble. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. Hey, what's the verse, the little bit before that, the phrase that says, in me, you may have peace. So because I'm in him, even though I'm in the world, which is a place of trouble, which is a place of difficulty at times, I can still walk in. I don't have to have trouble. I don't have to be overcome. I don't have to be discouraged. I don't have to be dismayed. I don't have to be determined where I'm going to go and how I'm going to do it because I am in him and then I get to walk in the world in peace because he is peace. I have told you these things so that you and me you might have. See, God's plan is harmony in the midst of chaos. God is in tune with the world. It means heading in the right direction. It means making progress in the, in, in the ordering of your inner world. It makes moving toward. It means centered living where, where everything else may be out of kilter in my life, but I am centered because I am on and in Jesus, rather than in this situation or in this situation, someone has said, under the circumstances, I'm doing okay. Well, you're not supposed to be under the circumstances. You're supposed to be under Jesus, and then everything can actually change. But we live in this teeter-totter world uh, between these. We have a, an Eastern view that's not a Bible view of the yin and the yang. Of There's a little bit of good and a little bit of bad in everything, and we try and balance between them and try and get our way through and, oh, if I could just make it to Sunday or make it to Saturday or Friday or whatever your day off is, if I could make it to my holiday, somehow I'm going to make it. But 
Shalom is not balancing the struggle. Shalom is not escaping the struggle. Shalom is going through the struggle and coming out better. May God himself, the God, this is the message translation, who makes everything holy and whole. In other words, the God who is peace, the one who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. May he put you together. May he put you together. That's what peace means. Put together, whole. And I'm going to talk about this in a moment. You're wondering what these are. Shalom is not one-dimensional. It's spirit, soul, and body. It's spirit, soul, and body. One of the worst things that you can see is that you hear what people say about the church. is They are such hypocrites. And there's the part of that that I'm okay with, which means that, I'm, that I don't have everything together and I'm trying to be better than I am. But the part that is terrible in that is that we live, we can raise our hands, we can attend church, we can read our Bible, but behind closed doors, we live rather differently. We cuss, we're mean to our children, we yell at our wives, we, we cheat on our taxes, we do all kinds of things because we have a false perception of how God works, of how Jesus works. Because Jesus was intended, he says, I want to make everything whole, spirit, soul, and body. Let's get those right. Spirit, soul, and body. He wants to address every area of your life. See, our body is made up of carbohydrates and muscles and chemicals and all kinds of things that, that how we interact with our, our world. Our soul realm is made up of our, our mind, our will and our emotion, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, decisions we're making. And through this interaction, we perceive our world and our soul the real essence of who we are is in our spirit, man. This is the part created in the image of God. We are spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. But some of us, and that's how God sees us, whole, complete, three in one, we're complete like that. But many of us want to live in this way. We want to live, Jesus saves me, and that's good. And this part, leave it to me. And we live out of order over here, and we don't experience peace over here because Jesus is not Lord of this place. He's only Lord of this place. We say, God, get me to heaven and make sure I don't burn in hell and everything like that and all that kind of stuff. When Jesus says, I actually want to talk to you about your inner man, about what you're thinking, about what you're feeling, I want to help you here because what goes on here actually makes your body work better, actually makes you more healthy, actually helps you to lose weight, actually helps you to do all the things that you're all concerned about. We're so concerned about that part of our life. Do I look good? Do I feel good? Do, is everything working well in my life or, am I, or, or, or what's really going on there? It's important to present a good image when the real you is over here crying out to see some change in there and all of it comes together where God says, I want to change your life. I want to change your life. Not just have a skinny version of you going to hell. wants to change our lives. May God himself, who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put together, put together, put together, spirit, soul, and body. We're interconnected, and sometimes we're focusing on what we see, and we forget who we really are, and how God is processing us and changing us. We're all interconnected. Many years, right, right now, I'm trying to teach a couple of my kids how to drive a standard. Many years ago, I taught their mother how to drive a standard. I did it out of love. 
Because at the end of it all, I had to buy a new clutch for my vehicle. Because when you drive a standard or a stick shift or whatever you might call it, there are three things going on at any one moment. You have to push a clutch in. You have to coordinate that with putting it into gear as well as using the accelerator or the gas. And if you don't get the connection right, several things may happen. You may jump like a rabbit down the street. You may just stall and stop. Or you may just make a big whole lot of noise because you forgot to put it into gear. It's all interconnected. But you won't move forward unless you work the connections together. And your life will not move forward unless you work the connections together. The things that you're looking for in your life to change are not just the ones we see. In fact, the biggest change is going to come from the unseen. Because the unseen is who you are. The unseen is the one that nobody sees but you. If we want peace in our world, in our life, we cannot just give Jesus a piece of our life. If we want peace in our life, we cannot get, just give Jesus a piece of our life. Jesus, can you just save me? That's good. I'll see you next week. I'll raise my hands. I'll have some moments. Try not to be so mean. And I'll, no, I'm not going to jog. I just want, can we just talk about this one, Jesus, please? We're, oftentimes our, our resolutions for peace and hope change, things to change, focus on only one dimension. Maybe you're this kind of a person, a body person. Maybe you're a person who's here or, and not connected to here, but they're all connected not segmented. And our lives often don't change because we're disconnected. We don't want to deal with what's in this bucket. I don't want to deal with the pain. I don't want to deal with the disappointment. I don't want to deal with the failures that I've had. I don't want to deal with the victimization that's been done to me. I don't want to deal with that. You know, interestingly enough, I was reading an article yesterday, Prince Harry and the lady he's getting married to, Megan, he said that I could not form proper relationships until I dealt with the issues around the death of my mother. I couldn't deal emotionally properly until I dealt with the junk in my bucket. Jesus, just save me. Can we talk about that one? Yay! I want to deal with this one because this one's making you because you don't deal with that one or this one, this one is cracking. This one is staying awake at night. This one is having high anxiety. This one is having all kinds of gastrointestinal problems. This one is breaking down. This one is irritable. This one is angry. This one's frustrated. I am a spirit. I have a soul, and I live in a body. I am a spirit. I have a soul, and I live in a body. Shalom over everything. If we want peace in our life, we cannot just give Jesus a piece of our life. Have you ever played whack-a-mole? At the, at the fair or if you go to... used to be this game. I don't even know if they still have it. Everything's so digital nowadays. But with whack-a-mole... You have this big mallet. It's kind of, kind of 
weird in a way. You have a little mole that comes out of a hole, and you're meant to beat him on the head. And somehow, I don't know why the people for the ethical treatment of animals haven't got after that one yet. But every time one comes up, your goal is to whack it down, to whack it down. And you get points if you whack it down. You whack it down over here, you whack it down over there, and at the end, you hope to win. And I think that's many how many of us live things in our life. When something comes up that's really frustrating, we whack that one down. When I'm too angry, I whack that one down. When I'm feeling alone, I whack that one down. Maybe I try and whack it down over here with a bag of chips. Maybe I whack it down over there with some pornography. Maybe I whack it down over there with some endless uh, scrolling through Netflix. Maybe who knows what I'm doing, but I keep trying to whack it down when God doesn't want you to whack down and play a game of whack-a-mole. He said, I want to bring shalom to your life because you're a spirit who has a soul who's living in a body. You're not one-dimensional and as long as you live with only and deal with only one dimension of your life or two dimensions even, you will not live in the fullness, the shalom, the wholeness, the, the flourishing in every season, the flourishing in every dimension that God intended for your life. You will have moments of victory when God intends you to live in a life of victory. If we want peace in our life, we cannot give Jesus just a piece of our life. The Apostle John was inspired to write in 3 John 1 and 2. And let's see the connection here, how the Bible sees it. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Who wants that? I want to prosper in every way of my life. I want to be in health. So how does it happen? Just as your soul prospers. So I want, to, I want my body to be healthy. I want things to go well in my life and, and to be able to walk through life. Well, it starts not just there. You can't just focus on that. But as your soul prospers, there's an overflow that happens and begins to touch every area of your life. Shalom is not segmented to Sunday. Shalom is Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and every day and every season and every situation. Not whatever whatever when you're going through the most difficult time with your body, when you're going through the most difficult time with your kids, whatever it might be, but that shalom would be because it starts in here, it affects there, and it changes here as well. The band can come anytime. But the peace of shalom, we don't have a was ne- of God, was never intended to be segmented. It was never intended to be limited to one dimension of our life. James 4 and 1 says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Obviously, it's the other person. Uh-uh. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Yeah, but what about them? And how about that? And what about this over there? What causes fights and quarrels among you? They come from within you. Our relational problems and our conflicts start inside of us. The lack of shalom around us could be because there's no shalom inside of us. And we've got to get this idea correct. I can't tell you how many times where people sit across a desk from me and say, our marriage is over. And you ask one of them and they say, we never fought. I don't know what she's saying. Most of the time it's the guy. I don't know what she's saying. We never fight. We're at, and that would be the Greek definition of peace. There is no fight. And she sits on the other side. We may not fight, but there is no connection. We exist, two people in the same dimension, walking along with no connection. What she's really saying without verbalizing it, without giving the words, there's no shalom. There's no connection. There's no fullness. There's no, we're together. It's just one dimension. 
but our soul realm is so important to deal with. Bible says in Proverbs 17 that a merry heart does good like medicine. But a broken spirit dries up the bone. The verse is telling us that there's some kind of connection. It doesn't mean that if you're sick that you're just a grump. It doesn't mean that. It's simply saying that there is some kind of connection between the soul, the heart, the inner us, and our body. And sometimes our bodies are telling us tales of what's going on inside of us. And don't mistake what's going on out here for the only thing. There's another dimension. There's a completeness that God wants to bring to your life. The attitude of our heart has a direct impact on our physical well-being. If your soul is at shalom, your body has a chance to also be in shalom. Wholeness. Completeness fruitfulness. There's a story by a man in the 1960s, a man by the name of Dr. Cousins. He was diagnosed with having a strange, rare kind of disease that destroys the connective tissue in the body. The doctors at that time gave him a battery of expensive tests and said, there is nothing we can do about it. It's degenerative and you are going to die. And he said, I don't want to die. I don't want to just give up. So he set himself on this regiment of exercise, of high doses of vitamin C, and then he added one more thing. This tells you how long ago it was. He rented a projector, and then he got old film. He got films. They weren't old at that time. He got films of the Marx Brothers. If you're under 50 and you don't know what that is, the Marx Brothers, Google them. The Marx Brothers and the Three Stooges, and any cartoons he could get his hand on. And he... For hours each day, he would take his vitamin C, his high dose of vitamin C, and and he would watch the Marx Brothers and the Three Stooges and would laugh his head off. And he discovered something, that 10 minutes of hearty laughter gave him an hour free from pain that morphine wasn't touching. And so we would watch these movies over and over again. He would laugh and laugh and taking his vitamin C and exercise. And he discovered as he did that he began to get better. And the day came when he went to his doctors and they said, we don't know what happened because this was an incurable disease. But as far as we can tell, you are completely cured. And he went on to live another 20 plus years. And he wrote a book called, and you can find it, called The Anatomy of an Illness, in which he made the point that your mental attitude, the cheerfulness or lack thereof, what's going on in your soul, was a high determiner of whether you get sick and how fast you get well. All that to say that he discovered what the Bible already says is true. A merry heart does good like a men's medicine. You are not one dimension. You are a spirit who has a soul who lives in a body. And if you want peace in all your life, you cannot just give Jesus part of your life. See, the peace that Jesus gives, it's not like the world gives. He said, I don't give you a situational peace. Because the peace of Jesus is actually a real peace. It's a realism. It's not pretending something's not there. It's saying, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, I'm going to go through it sometimes. I will fear no evil. I'm going to walk in shalom. Because he's with me. His peace brings wholeness. His peace is solid. His peace is restorative. There's only one way to find true shalom, and it's in Jesus. We can search for fulfillment and happiness and contentment in material possessions, in food, in pornography, in illicit sex, in busyness, in entertainment, in endless scrolling through our newsfeed, but all those do nothing to fill 
the void that only the Prince of Peace can fill. See, Isaiah 9-6 calls him the Prince of Peace. In the message translation, it calls him, his name will be, among others, Prince of Wholeness. His ruling authority will grow. And there won't be limits to the wholeness he brings. His ruling, he's called the Prince of Wholeness. His ruling authority will grow, and there won't be limits to the wholeness he'll bring. Some of us have put limits on what God could do. Say, God, I know that that's happened in my life, but there's no way that you could ever. There's no possible, I don't know how. <laughs> the first thing is to know the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Wholeness, and let him lead your life. And see, some of us, maybe you're here and you've never made a decision for Jesus. You never, you say, I'd love to have that peace. Well, it begins with making a decision to make Jesus the forgiver and leader of your life. That the Prince of Wholeness, and it says his ruling authority grows. And I love that because it shows this. It's not a moment. It's, it's, it starts in a moment, but then it becomes this progressive unfolding of God as He begins to deal with my heart and He begins to help heal me on the inside and the pain and the hurt and the struggle and, and the arrogance and the pride and the, all the things that nobody sees, but they're there. He begins to do His work. It's a step forward. It's a process of shalom. It's a process of reordering my life. It's a process of restoration. But it starts with meeting the Prince of Wholeness, the Prince of Peace. If we want peace in our life, we cannot just give Jesus a piece of our life. So maybe you're today, if I invite everybody to stand, I'm going to close out. Maybe to, for you today, the first step is to make Jesus the Prince of Wholeness, the Prince of Shalom, the Prince of Peace your prince and let his rulership begin to flow into your life let him begin to lead your life i invite you to bow your head close your eyes real quick if you're here this morning and you say craig i want to start this year off in a brand new way by making jesus the forgiver and leader of my life today is my day today is my day to start fresh not just a moment but the process of unfolding as him as the prince of my shalom, my peace, my wholeness. If that's you and you say, Craig, I want to make Jesus that leader in my life, just raise your hand real quick. I want to pray for you, give you an opportunity to join and come into the family of God. Secondly, if you realize that this is what we've just talked about is you've lived under the situational peace. Through escape, through living for the weekend, through just getting by survival, and that you need not the peace of the world, but the peace that Jesus gives, the shalom. You say, Craig, I'm, I'm just, I don't even know what it looked like, but I am going to position myself to follow the Prince of Peace this year in a whole new way. If that's you, just throw up your hand. Yeah, throw up your hand. Say, I just need a whole other revelation of wholeness in my life. Come on. Anxiety, long enough. Discouragement, long enough. Come on. That issue, long enough, whatever it is, wholeness, 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 wholeness. And because this, when you walk in wholeness, you begin to you begin to spill it out of your life. And you begin to change your family, begin to change your workplace, you begin to change everything through the wholeness of God working in you and through you. And so this ancient word, shalom, is gonna lead us down some ancient pathways of wholeness over the next few weeks. We're going to talk about ways to learn how to and strengthen our spirit, man. Ways to deal with the issues of our heart. 
and even we're going to talk about issues of our body. We're going to go down the ancient pathways of shalom, wholeness inside you, wholeness in your relationships, wholeness that transforms your thinking and your attitudes, a wholeness that helps you fight weariness and sickness, ancient, well-worn pathways that are desperately needed in a hyper-fast, oversaturated, overstretched culture, reading and reflection, pathways of learning the harmony of rest and work, of learning worship again through our body, of relationship and connection, forgiving and reconciliation, pathways that begin with the Prince of Peace who created you in his image, where you have a soul and you live in a body, wholeness in every dimension. Father, I thank you for my family, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you are leading us into wholeness, Lord Jesus. Lord, there were whatever situation, whatever part of our world we're in right now, that we would live, learn to live integrated, Lord Jesus. Not separated, holding back certain parts of our lives, Lord. Not hiding because you can only heal what we will reveal. So, Lord, I pray that you would give great courage to Horizon Church, Lord, to anybody who's here today to deal with every dimension of our life through the Prince of Peace. In the strong name of Jesus, amen.